0: Be holy and stand for life. Shalom! Thank you for joining us for the Sermon of the Second Sunday After Christmas, January 2, 2022 from Christ Church, Jerusalem. The story of Herod murdering infants in Bethlehem is ugly, brutal, and too often forgotten. Herod's violent paranoia stands in contrast to Jesus' confident rulership that doesn't lash out in insecurity. We continue to live with the slaughter of the innocents, says Rev. David Pelleggi, through abortion, euthanasia, war, poverty, and genocide. Our culture is soaked in violence as it selfishly and idolatrously chooses convenience over life. Jesus is calling us to stand for life in holiness, to commit to imitate our God, the source of life. Good morning, and a happy new
1: year. And the first reading brings hope to all of those people who celebrated the end of that difficult year last year and then woke up the next day to the same bad news. This brings hope for the future. It's from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the river of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, And I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Our second reading is from the magnificent, powerful, maybe one of the most powerful Psalms of the Hebrew Bible, Psalm chapter 8. For the director of music, according to Gitit, a Psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name.
3: This is the word of the Lord. Let us stand for the reading of the gospel. The reading is from Matthew chapter 2, verses uh, 1 to 18. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "'Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews?' We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Israel I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice in her, is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll do something a little different
2: today. And that um, immediately after sermon, we will hear from two members of our congregation and uh, learn a little bit about the work that they do. And uh, I think in a few minutes you'll see why I chose uh, these two, not only to explain their ministry, but also. Uh, to to uh, expose their work to us as a family, a wider uh, community, so that we can pray for them and support them on a regular basis. But I'd like to um, just go back to our story for a few minutes, the story of the, the Magi. <clears throat> it's a, um, I think it's a very um, poignant story because on one hand, The Christmas story is certainly one of joy. Uh, Everywhere we look, especially in Luke's gospel, uh, people are breaking out in the song. They're being joyful. They're praising the Lord uh, because of the great things God is doing in their midst. And uh, as I mentioned the other day, it sounds a little bit like a Hollywood musical. And the practical message, I think, that comes out of all this is very simply the message of Christmas. The message of the New Testament is do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Have no fear because God is with us. But the story today isn't a a very happy story. Uh, In fact, it's a frightening story. And uh, we in Christian tradition, Actually, have a day to commemorate uh, this horrible event that happens in Bethlehem. Not the not the birth of Jesus, but what the 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 day of commemoration, the day of memory, is called the slaughter of the innocents. And tri- traditionally, between Christmas and New Year, that um, event is uh, marked on the is marked on the Christian calendar. And of course it's, it's a very brutal and ugly uh, story. It's a story that would, should make all of us frightened. And yet it's very often forgotten by the church, forgotten uh, by many believers uh, in the festivities of Christmas, um, and Christmas and New Year's. The story is very poignant to, to us at Christ Church because we actually, where the church is located today, we're on the grounds of the palace of Herod the Great. This is where Herod the Great had his palace. This is where Herod the Great received the wise men, the Magi. This is where Herod the Great gave orders. Yes, to have those uh, children in Bethlehem slaughtered. And, you know, at the end of the gospel story, this is where Jesus will meet Pilate and be sentenced to death. So in a geographical way, topographical way, we feel certainly very close to the story. That I should say that the, uh, the incident as recorded here is doubted by many scholars, including uh, evangelicals, And they will say, well, we're not really sure this happened because Josephus or other historians never mentioned it. But if we know anything about King Herod, we know anything about human nature, the story is indeed very plausible. And I think as a community, we we should accept the story and accept the the incident because King Herod was ruling his kingdom of Judea from this very spot is a king who's very insecure. He's a king who's full of envy. He's a king full of jealousy. He's a king that fears for his his throne, and he is going to remain in power, yes, uh, by the most brutal means possible. Yes, the use of violence and force uh, and intimidation, uh, the use, use of crucifixion, whatever it takes, he will remain in control. And so um, King Herod and uh, his character or his, you might say, his paranoia is certainly something that uh, looms large in this story. By the way, in the contrast, I don't know if you have um, ever thought about it? But when Jesus comes along and he talks about kingship and he proclaims the kingdom of heaven, yes, the kingdom of heaven, which is that uh, activity in which God is breaking into our lives and starting to rule and reign and starting to take control, yes, is never in a panic. It doesn't fear. It's not insecure. It doesn't need to use violence, yes, or manipulation or intimidation. Those things God needs to establish his rule or his kingship in our lives. And so Jesus offers an alternative model to not only King Herod, but to the entire, you might say, world system. And so the slaughter of the innocents And we can easily think, oh, that's something that happened in the past. Good thing that it's over. But I'd like to suggest to you that the slaughter of the innocents hasn't stopped. Yes, that we still live today. Yes, with this horrible, um, horrible ongoing event. And we can call it abortion. We can call it euthanasia. We can call it war. And I'm not suggesting pacifism, or, uh, but you know, the way that uh, the nations of the world so easily go to war, uh, there's something incredibly wrong about that. We could call it poverty. We can't protest abortion and be unconcerned, yes, about how a child grows up. Yes, we can't save a life or uh, save an unborn child and then consign that child to drug addiction or to utter poverty or to a lack of education. Could be refugees, could be the way that we poison, almost in a way poison ourselves, as with the uh, food we eat. The slaughter is continuing. The death or the killing is continuing. And we do live in a world of death. Yes, all we have to do is, you know, sometimes we feel far away from this. We don't feel it's a problem. Turn on Netflix. Look at the culture. Look at the video games that people watch or the movies that uh, uh, titillate or stimulate people. Yes, we live in a culture that's soaked in violence soaked in violence. And I'd like to suggest to us that um, not only is there an ongoing slaughter of the innocents, there is a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle from the very beginning of time until the end of time really centers around one thing. It centers around life. It's a battle over life. Yes, life itself. And you may remember... I don't think just to sketch, a tiny bit of biblical history. Yes, that uh, God is the one who gives life. God is the one who creates life. Yes, the source of all life actually comes from God. Although human beings these days are not convinced of that. Um, And maybe that's a point we'll return to to in a minute. I was... um, struck by the reading in Revelation. And that reading in Revelation, which Maggie says is good news because we know the end of the story. And in the, at the end of the story, death itself is, is defeated. And uh, we read a verse in Revelation 21, I think it was verse six, that comes to us from the Psalms. And in Psalm 36, it says, for with you, God is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Yes, that God is the source. God is the source of life. And can I remind you of this verse that we read in uh, 21. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give the water without, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Yes. And what ha- what's, happens in the garden after God breathes life into dust and creates human beings, it's a, there's a battle. And the battle is between the chaos monster, who is a dragon, because what is a, what is a snake with, that walks? It's a dragon. Yes, And this chaos monster represents death and all that opposes God. And later we learn in Jewish literature and even in the New Testament that the chaos monster is actually Satan himself. And Satan comes and tempts Eve. Yes, and says, eat from the tree of life. And of course, Eve disobeys. And uh, she eats not only because she's tempted by the devil, but because within, uh, within human beings, within ourselves, there's always something that's not satisfied. We're always looking for something better. And very often we can't be satisfied or can't be content, yes, with how the Lord makes us, yes, and what uh, He gives us yeah, or what He, um, how He blesses us. Yes, again, some, there's gotta be something. I'm missing something, somebody's keeping, the best from me, and so Eve eats, and she falls into, we have Adam, does the same. And what is the very next sin that we read about? Murder, Cain kills Abel, and it's a battle for life. Yes, you know, God says to the people of Israel before they come into the land of Israel, he says, I give you a choice, Choose life, choose death. No. What is it going to be? You choose. You choose. You can serve false gods or you can serve me. Right? And serving false gods always leads, always leads to death. And... Not only is the god <clears throat> I would suggest that God is the source of life, yes, but that God himself is life, and that when we talk about God being holy, that we're actually talking about life and uh i don't we don't have time this morning to do a complete Bible study, but throughout the Hebrew Bible, yes, the word holy is. Yes, Synonym, yes. Another definition for holiness, for God's holiness, is life itself, yes. Or another, you might say, synonym for holiness would be um, would be obedience. The uh, synonym for um, for death, or the synonym for um, impurity, which is the opposite of the holiness, would be False gods, disobedience, death. So um, God says many times to the people of Israel, and it's repeated to us in the New Testament. He says, be holy as I am holy. And I'm convinced that what it means to be holy is that we commit ourselves, yes, to imitate god to imitate his attributes of mercy and love and forgiveness etc and yes it's our goal to please him and but who are we pleasing we're pleasing really the source the source of life and therefore i would like to suggest that what it means to be holy and what it means to live Yes, and the dignity that God made us, because that's what we find in Psalm 8, or to be worthy of that dignity, is in every place and at every time to stand for life. To stand stand for life. And that um, life might be physical life, we can talk about abortion or euthanasia. We can talk about genocide. More people have died at the hands of wicked governments and political systems than uh than any other any other natural cause. Because one government after another has wanted to impose its will or its force, uh, impose its ideology or its way on people, and those who don't go along end up getting killed. Or there is one ethnic group fighting another ethnic group. Or sadly, one religious group, yes, killing another religious group. And literally tens of millions of people have died like this since the year nineteen hundred whether it's with the Nazis, or the Communists, or the Cambodians, or in the Congo, or in Armenia. Yes. In the Balkans, hundreds, tens of millions, maybe over a hundred million. Yes, so the slaughter of the innocents indeed continues. And the stand for life and the fight for life is emotional on an emotional level or personal level. Yes, when we see hopelessness or despair among people, or the tendency to isolate, mental illness. This is also a a struggle, yes, between God and Satan, and a struggle within ourselves. And then there's spiritual life. Spiritual life, as we know, in, especially in John's gospel, spiritual life is eternal life. That's a being in relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus the Messiah. And um, the enemy of spiritual life isn't doubt, okay? Isn't doubt. The enemy is sin. And so that too is, that too is a battle. That, too, is a battle in which we, of course, as a community and as individuals, certainly must always uh, take a stand. And our, um, I think sometimes our, uh, um, you might say, vision is very narrow. I don't think we fully understand that this battle is not just in the church, although that's very important. This battle battle isn't just about our country, yes, but this battle concerns all of the human family. In that incredible Psalm that we read, Psalm 8, uh, it tells us how majestic the Lord is. And then it goes on to say that through the praise of children and infants, yes, those who are simple, maybe naive, maybe those without the college education, whatever it may be, he says he's established a stronghold okay, against, your, um, against his enemies. And ultimately, who is the enemy of God? Ultimately, the enemy of God is death itself, which God f- finishes you know, at the end, what we read in the book of Revelation. And then the psalmist goes on to say when i consider how great and wonderful your creation is he then asks the question or expresses amazement how is it possible with the moon and the stars and the whales and the seals and all that squeals yeah how is it possible that you care for human beings that you care about the small details in the lives of human beings right it sort of mind-blowing. The psalmist, David, can't understand it. And hopefully today, for us today, it's still a sense of wonder and amazement and hopefully a bit of a mystery. How is it that this incredibly majestic God, powerful, holy, would care about us? And then he goes on to say, yes, you've made them us a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned us with glory and honor. You made us rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under our feet. And so God has given us, you might say, mastery or control, responsibility for the creation. But unfortunately, yes, we've taken that as people and think, because we can do it, we should do it. Because we can play God and end life sooner than we should, then we should do it. Or that when we can play God, yes, and abort babies who we see, will, or see have Down syndrome, we should do it. And while God gives us incredible dignity, as human beings, and he cares for us, As yes. We, as human beings, you know, live by the law, yes. If it's convenient and we have the power, we indeed need to, we can and should do it, yes. That's the culture of death and the slaughter of the innocents. If I can make a bomb that can kill 20,000 people, and with one bomb and win the war, yeah, then let's go ahead and do it. Let's go ahead and do it. If it's possible, and it's convenient, and it serves our interest. And of course, this is an idolatry. Remember that when, uh, indeed, when Israel enters the land, the Lord says to Israel, It says, see, I set before you today, life, prosperity, death, and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to keep His commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day, you will certainly be destroyed. Yes. And so we have, a, we have a choice. The choice is life or death. The choice is the God of creation, or it's the false gods that we create. You know that uh, many of these false gods um, are the same ones that we've had from the beginning, right? Human beings want to flourish we want blessings, so we are intent on not doing it God's way. So we have a system called Marxism that gives us false, um, it's sort of a false humanism. And here I'm talking about God-centered humanism. Or it's a, it, it gives a false understanding of what dignity is. Or we have... Uh, the, um, you might say a progressive ideology today which says if you want to flourish you just write you just be who you want to be ignore all the rules you know, do as you like so that uh, you can find personal happiness or we have some kind of nationalism if you just give yourself totally to your country and your ethnic identity then you will find fulfillment Look, all of these are false ideologies and they bring destruction and they bring death. They bring death. So, what I believe, <clears throat> I'm convinced, is that, <clears throat> that it, should be, um, it should be our responsibility to be holy. It should be our responsibility to stand against the powers and principalities and the ideologies of this age. And I believe that if, as a community, we make it a priority to always stand for life, yes whether it's spiritual life, preaching the gospel, whether it's emotional life, physical life, and they're all connected, you can't separate them. Look at that passage in Revelation 21. Yes, physical life and spiritual life are intertwined. Yes, It's not easy to say, oh, that's just physical or material. What's important is the spiritual. Then, of course, we'd have to throw out the ministry of Jesus, the ministry to the brokenhearted, the ministry to those who are despairing, the ministry to those who are sick. yes. What was that all about? If Jesus and the New Testament only cares about the quote unquote spiritual. So our challenge is to stand for life. And it's not just being against something, it's doing something positive. I, I, I wish I had a, a shekel for every time I've heard someone in the last year, well, like 2021, tell me how bad it is and how it's getting worse. And uh, the culture uh, is turning further and further away from God and uh, more horrible things are happening. And uh, there is a sense of despair and pessimism, but I always ask such people or generally ask such people, and if you've complained and I haven't asked you, I'm sorry, I haven't done my duty, but what are you gonna do about it? What are you going to do about it? You see, just as sometimes we deny death, we spend most of our lives thinking we're never going to die, we also at times deny evil. And we say, oh, it's not that bad. It's going to go away. Or, you know, there's really nothing I can do about it. It's happening in China. It's happening in India. It's not something I I need to really to concern myself with. And so evil flourishes, yes, and again, at the most basic, basic level, yes, it's a, it is a spiritual war, but it manifests itself in the physical. Jesus says, I come to, have, to give you life and life more abundantly, and the devil says, I come to kill and to kill more abundantly. Yes, and we as human beings even without the help of the devil, again, would do what's convenient or do what's pragmatic. Yes. And very easily not want to walk in God's ways. So our, 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 the way that we glorify God, the way that we declare him holy in this world, I believe is not only by living personal lives of integrity, but also by standing for life and um, and standing up for human dignity, even if it's for those who are, we consider to be our enemies. So I think I'm very, um, in, in one way, I'm, I'm very honored and uh, even humbled that we have many such people, or many such ministries uh, in our community. Yes, and so I would like to um, talk to two of them for just a few minutes so that we can pray for them and that in the future they uh, will be uh, worthy, you might say, of our support uh, and encouragement. So the first one is Annie. So Annie, why don't you come up?
4: Okay, so my name is Annie Milburn. That's too loud. Um, and I was born in Bejala. And I work with women who have lost their babies. I, I work with women who have had stillbirth. I work with women who had miscarriages. And I also work with women who've um, done abortions.
2: Okay. Yeah. And so um, tell us something about that ministry.
4: Okay. Tell Sorry. Us how the
2: is teaching you and training you. In how we can
4: support them. Well, there's so much to share, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, I don't know what to share because there's so, there's so much to share. Um, but I just wanted to say it was um, six years ago, and that doesn't have to do with my, with the ministry, but it has to do with six years ago, my mother told me that she wanted to abort me. And it was such a painful thing. <laughs> But the thing was, a, a doctor intervened, and he said, "I advise you, and I recommend that you don't abort this one." And then my mother went with it, and she said, "Okay, I want to abort her." So it was such a heart—it was a—it was such a heartache for me to know that that—that that was my situation. And then you know, after I found myself in this ministry, I thought, okay, you know, it does make sense that God would put me in this place. Because, you know, I have sometimes the chance to help women, you know, if they're Arabic, they speak Arabic, then they refer them sometimes to me and I have to talk with them about, you know, like about abortion and what does it do. And I remember this one woman and she was telling me, it's so comforting, it really helps me, that you're talking with me, but, you know, and she was saying, you're so kind, you're so nice, What you know, she was saying all these things. And I said to her, well, I want to reveal a secret to you. And she said, what? And I said, well, you're thinking about aborting your baby, and I'm here helping you. And I, my mother wanted to abort me. I wouldn't be here comforting you, helping you, if my mother would have aborted me. And who knows what destiny does your child have? And then all I could hear in the end of the phone was her crying, crying, because it was like your child has a destiny too, and you, you know, if you do the abortion, you're end, you're going to end, you know, that baby's destiny. Um. So you know, so there's just so much I could share. You know, what else can I share? Um. Yeah. So, well, I work for the the Ministry of Ba'at Chaim. I work for the Ministry of Ba'at Chaim. Um. And yes, and I, and I, uh, you know, I work with the women that have had, you know, stillbirth. The one, the women that have had abortion, and usually the women who've had abortion, you know, they're filled with shame, they're filled with guilt, they're filled with, they're just filled with so much guilt, and and, and it's just it's 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 talking to them, it's listening to them, it's them understand, and then you know, slowly, slowly, God, you know, shows them that what they've done was against His will. Um, so what I do, I, 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 we have like different programs that we work with the women, um, for the stillbirth, we have letters that the woman writes for her child. And it's, it's something that, you know, she could tell her baby, you know, general things. And then she could say, I forgive, I forgive, please forgive me if they feel if they've, they feel if they've done something or they ask the baby to forgive them. Then they write a letter of thank you and I love you and then goodbye. So that's, that's, that's the letters that the women write for their babies. And then what I also do with them is art therapy. And I say, God is the, is the best artist. You know, he's like, he's, he just, you know, he's the, he's an amazing artist. So I also work with them through art therapy and we do all kinds of art therapy. And, and God is the one that comforts them, you know, um, my uh, teacher that taught me quite a lot about the grief and what women go through, she said, Annie, remember that God is the elephant and you're the squirrel. (laughs) So it's really like that. When I work with these women, it's, you know, God is the elephant, God is the one who's showing me. Because at times, you know, it's like, what I have in the program, it's not what the woman needs at that moment. And then I have to trust and I have to pray and to be like, okay, God, you know, this woman is really struggling and the the thing in the program isn't helping her or it's helping her, but she needs something else. Show me what to do. Show me what to say. And at times, just at that moment, God just gives me something that really helps this woman, really, you know, really comforts that woman at that moment. Um, But yeah, but unfortunately, just like David Pelegi said, abortion is pretty big um you know like I had one woman who had four abortions she killed four of her babies and for me that was a struggle just like you know some of the things that David Pelagi was saying was like God you know I need to show her mercy because I'm I feel it's so I'm so angry that she's killed four babies and then I really need to humble myself and be like please God please God help me show her mercy please and you know, and they're and they're they are desperate. They want to, you know, and you know, a lot of times we tell them not because the community says it's okay, the abortion is okay. They think that abortion is going to just solve their problems. You know, be like, okay, if I I wasn't planning for this pregnancy, if I just do the abortion, all this problem is gone. No one will ever know. But then you know what they don't know is is the problems that start afterwards could last for years. So it's like, there's this one woman that contacted me. She said, I've had, I've done an abortion something like t- 20, 30 years ago. And she's like, and all the time I cannot stop crying. And it was like, she, you know, I s- try to talk to her on the phone. She's like, I cannot take your phone cause I can't stop crying. So, so it's like, unfortunately, a lot of these women understand later on that what the culture says is okay is actually gonna hurt them for a really long time. So you know, I can yeah, thank you. We'll,
2: we'll pray we'll pray for you in a moment. Yeah, so not only should we really stand for the or really affirm the right for everyone to live in dignity, yes, but we should allow people to or to work, yes, to so that people can die in dignity. Yes. So, Haya. Haya is one of the longest members of this congregation. I'm not sure everybody knows her, but um, tell us about where you've worked for the last 30 or 40 years.
5: 41 years. 41 years I worked in the French hospital, which is down up the uh, the promenade. And uh, <clears throat> I came there when I was young. And now I'm older, I have more experience. And uh, I have a different relationship with the patients. And uh, yeah, there's one thing, I love my work. And sometimes I say to people, uh, God gives you gifts that you can do best. And this work is what I can do best. I love it. And <coughs> I'm 74 years old, and I'm still doing one shift a week because I can't stop doing it. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a place, a very special place. Uh, I myself work in uh, on the uh, palliative care uh, ward. Palliative is the word for uh uh, end of life care, and, uh, you can do a lot to make the end of life as comfortable as possible. You can't do everything, but, uh, there are good painkillers, and we give them. And every time I give a pain, no, not every time, but when I give a painkiller, I also pray that Lord, the Lord would bless it, and that it would have a uh, full effect or double effect. And this is how you can actually work spiritually. Uh, I also believe that uh, I cannot preach the gospel a lot, but uh, I do believe that I am the aroma of Christ, that when I go around, they smell good. And for some people, I am the fragrance of life, and some people, I am the fragrance of death. And that is a spiritual battle. uh, yeah, but, but also, let's say, I've got many experiences there. And uh, I had once, it just came to mind when I was sitting, a, a patient, she, she was actually breathing her last breath, and then the son said, uh, she was in her, well, in her 80s, and the son said, uh, do something, do something. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, do resuscitation. I said, I cannot do that. I said, there is a way of life, there is a way of death. And I believe, and this is what I sometimes say to my patients, I say, uh, God has given you a number of years to live, a number of days, a number of hours, and you will live all those days and all those hours that He has planned for you. And not everybody becomes 90. And if you are in your 60s and you go, may the Lord bless you. And I also say sometimes to people, is your heart right to die? And it's just a simple question. And the answer isn't always very strong and obvious, but I think if you ask a question like this, it uh, can trigger somebody to actually think that they are going to die and they can come back with other questions. And uh, being older now, I feel I have uh, a deeper relationship with the patients. And uh, they think uh, I've got white hair, so she must be wise. And so (laughs) I act wise. uh, But uh, it, uh, oh yeah, and also, yeah, there was another nice thing. We work with all sorts of staff, and uh, Muslims, Christians, Arabs, Jews, and uh, once uh, there was a, a Muslim uh, guy, he was uh, asked a question, how can you do this work? And he said, uh, I just uh, look at the patients and I think uh, this could be my father or this could be my mother. And I think that is a really very good attitude because that's the way you can work. And yeah, uh, uh, we have just had last week, this is maybe nice to say, we had a... Uh, and uh, um, a ceremony of awards. So I was awarded for 41 years working in the French hospital and I got a nice uh, plaque. But what struck me most was that from the, say, about 80 uh, people staff, people of staff we have, there were 25 people that worked there for over 10 years. And uh, I think there were 20 people that worked there for more than 20 years. And I think that is really something uh, very special because there is a family spirit there, you know, also amongst the staff. And I think this is how you can work uh, in this type of work. And uh, the, yeah, the one thing I want to say that God gives you the competence to do it. You cannot do it to your own strength, but he gives you not only the gift to do it, but he gives you the joy to do it. And uh, yeah, even last Friday I was working and there was this big man and he was sitting at the edge of his bed and he began to realize that he was actually deteriorating. His situation was going down. And uh, yeah, and I think he's been a man always strong, I have no problems, I can do anything. And there he sat all week and, uh, yeah, what do you say? Yeah, what do you say? And I just put my hand on his shoulder and, yeah, I just sometimes say nothing. And sometimes if you say nothing, that's the best word you say. So uh, that is how I try to serve the Lord in that wonderful place. It has lots of problems, and (laughs) if you're long enough, you see them all, but it's a good place, so. It's
2: it's really a great honor to have both you and Annie and others, Mm. yes, like those from the Near East Ministry. Yes. uh, To be a part of our family. Mm. We're, uh, I think, humbled uh, by the work that many of you do, yes, and this battle for life and uh, maintaining a God-centered human dignity. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Not talking about secular humanism, no. but uh, a dignity that comes from the Almighty. So, Maya, let
5: Sometimes pray. we actually have had uh, patients that ask, uh, if they know I'm from Holland, they say, oh, in Holland they do euthanasia. I said, yes, they do it. I said, but we don't do it here. And do you really think that is what uh, your father or your mother want? So, there is also the things like that come up, and I thought it was quite nice that Annie was first because life is first and death is last. <laughs> and there was a time I worked with uh, somebody from the Anglican school, and and Maggie <laughs> Maggie worked in uh, uh, how do you call the livery suite, and Sue worked at Anglican school, and I worked in the French hospital. And I thought we spent the whole (laughs) way of life, you know, so.
2: So can we pray for you? Annie, please come. Just, um, it is, uh, I think in a way, rewarding to say that many years ago, a member of this congregation actually started uh, the pregnancy counseling center, Be'ad Chaim, which means in Hebrew, for the sake of life. And that was Alison Marchant. And I'm sure she had help from, uh, I know she had help from Maggie uh, and from Haya. And uh, for many years, although not at the moment, uh, our Mercy Fund has been supportive of the, of the work of the French Hospital. So let's pray. So Father in heaven, we uh, do come to you. And Lord, we first and foremost uh, submit ourselves to you. And Lord, we say as, a, as individuals and even as a community, Lord, here we are, send us. Lord, here I am, send me. Give me guidance and direction in this fight of life against death so that uh, I may affirm life. I may stand for life, stand against death, and bring glory and honor to you. And Father, we also, we think of Annie and Haya, Lord, who are on the front lines of this war. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you will strengthen them and continually train their hands for battle, uh, and the battle in which they find themselves in. And we pray that both will have your wisdom. And we ask, Lord, that uh, Wherever they go, whoever they speak to, Lord, we ask that uh, they will have the privilege of bringing your presence into the lives of many people. We ask that um, you would reveal yourself, Lord, even in the, even at, the, at times when they can't speak the name of Jesus. We pray, though, that uh, your uh, glory would be manifested through them. That uh, your compassion and patience and mercy, the Lord, will be evident, yes, in the words and actions of these women. Thank you that uh, they indeed are part of our community. And, Lord, we pray that uh, we'll be able to continually bless them and encourage them in all that they do. Amen. 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 Amen.